1: Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 342.
0: Hello, hello, everybody. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. This week, we have another list, 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 list show for you. That was not me on repeat, but that was me quoting the Family Gamers community general chat. We're going to do games for five-year-olds this week. But first, we're going to do all the things that we do first half of the show, which includes a fact. Anitra, I have two facts this week. Okay. I got to be honest with you. I wasn't like, you know, sometimes I get a fact and I'm like, oh, this is a cool story. Like 341 was kind of a cool, like, oh, I got to it. You know, I did the whole micro thing. thing, yep. but whatever. Um, This week, my facts were not so great, so I got two of them. Okay. The first one is that this year, 2023, did you know that it is... The 342nd year since Pennsylvania was founded. I did not know that, but that makes sense. Back in March, the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission had a birthday for Pennsylvania where they showed off William Penn's original charter from 1681. Okay. Yep. That's one fact. So, I mean, hey, congratulations, Pennsylvania. But the other one is, I guess, a little bit more like me. (laughs) You don't say. Yeah. um, This was actually a little while ago that they found this, but some documentation, some material was found, uncovered, released, or whatever, of Charlie Chaplin doing some work with an actress. Now, if you know anything about Charlie Chaplin, he was a silent film actor. I mean, he is arguably the most famous silent film actor. Oh, for sure. But so... When I say this, think about the fact that this was all done on silent film. Mm -hmm. Virginia Cheryl must have been on the verge of tears after director and actor Charlie Chaplin made her perform one scene in which she just says two words 342 times. Wow. All she had to do was say,
1: flower, sir.
0: Flower, sir.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
0: Flower, sir. And presumably move. In her, you know, it, sure. as if she was yeah. presenting the flowers and something like that. But uh, Charlie Chaplin was a perfectionist, the king of the retake, said Hooman Mirren, historian and author of Chaplin's Limelight and the Music Hall Tradition, 342 times. Wow. Now, those are my facts, about 342.
1: Okay. I have a message from our sponsor, First Move Financial. Recently, a listener asked about how to balance financial priorities now versus ones down the road, like college savings and retirement. First and foremost, you want a stable foundation, which means an adequate emergency fund and manageable debt. Once that's taken care of, then consider the priorities and costs of each goal. Ask yourself if you had to pick a more stable retirement or a better university for your children, which one is the priority? Then start saving towards your top priorities, giving the most attention to the top one or two, but still putting some funding towards other goals. The trick is to get to a point where you're saving some for the near future, some for the midterm, and some for the long term. You don't want to put all of your savings towards long term goals and not have any fun along the way. But at the same time, you need to have something saved for retirement. Otherwise, you'll have to live off of whatever social security you've been able to earn, which won't leave much room for fun in the future. If you want to talk to an expert about prioritizing your goals and saving for the future, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to set up a meeting. All
0: right, thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring the Family Gamers podcast. So, Anitra, let's talk about some games that we've been playing this week. I have some games that I haven't played in a while or have not played before on my list this week.
1: Sure. Well, let's start with we're continuing to play some more Galaxy Trucker. We are. This game is very fun working on how to review the expansion to Galaxy Trucker <laughs> when I had not played the original for a while.
0: Yeah, so relearning how to play the original Galaxy Trucker, adding on some expansions. It's been fun, though. I really like that game. It's a charming little game.
1: My uh, my short review of Galaxy Trucker is this is really a great game for competitive preteens. Competitive teenagers. preteens,
0: but also it's really helpful if you don't take things too seriously. Yes. Because like, Crap is gonna happen to your ship. It just, it's just right. just the way it is. Right. Well, the next game on my list, honestly my list is fairly short, even if the games are air quote unique, is Starry Night Sky from Buffalo Games.
1: Yeah, so I got to play this at PAX mm-hmm. and with I with
0: Emma Larkins. With
1: Emma Larkins, the designer. Mm-hmm. And I brought home a copy for us to play. And you, the king of uh offering games as a sweetener to our kids like <laughs> hey, hey, hey you can hey. stay up and play a game with dad or you can go to bed right now
0: yeah and i honestly was kind of shocked that it worked on our 14 year old but it's pretty game and relaxing it's not too complicated and i was like come on sweetheart you can do this. she's like fine <laughs> but yeah we had fun with it
1: i really like that it's not a super competitive game. Right, You don't really know what other people's end goals are, and all of the end goals in the game are just is this thing done or not? So, you might be helping people along the way, but you're also helping yourself when you do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, typically I don't like parallel solo games, which this isn't quite that, because you're playing on a common board. I definitely don't think this is a super competitive game, kind of like you said, because it has that sort of, Mm -hmm. like, parallel solo thing going on, but I don't know. It felt pretty good in that regard.
1: Well, it's that chill, like, it's definitely a a competitive game, not a cooperative game, but it feels much more, you know, just chill, like we're all just kind of doing our thing and sometimes we help each other and every once in a while we get in each other's way and that's fine. There are always multiple ways to get to what you want.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird because I think back to when we played Roll to the Top A week or two ago, which is another game that we played this week, and how competitive that got like right at the end as we were taking various chances just to try to finish first. And I never felt that level of competition in Starry Night Sky, even though I would argue that there's more interaction between players in Starry Night Sky. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess it's just something about the feel. It's just so chill.
1: I like it. There is definitely interaction, but it's not it's not a fierce competition kind of thing. Right. I like it. Yeah.
0: So that's Star Night Sky from Buffalo Games.
1: I am continuing to play some short solo games, some more numsters this time at the orthodontist office while I was waiting, <laughs> <laughs> and some Grove. I really think Grove might end up being my favorite solo game of all time. Wow. It just hits the spot just right for me. It's compact, it's small, it's fast. I do need a table for it, so I don't usually bring it out places, because it's got 15 number cubes and stuff like sure, that. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It's perfect for that, like, I've got 5 to 10 minutes and I just want to relax my brain and do something chill. Sure, I get it,
0: totally. The last game on my list is Roll Through the Ages of the Bronze Age. So this is a game that you picked up from me for Christmas like 5 years a ago. A couple of years ago. At the same time as Fleet, the dice game. Mm -hmm. So Roll Through the Ages, the Bronze Age. This is a really interesting roll and write because it's a roll and write that also includes like wooden peg boards that you have to use to track your resources. Yep. So you would think it's heavier because of that, but it's really not. It's literally just a resource tracker. But I guess that's better than like writing and erasing things on a piece of paper. Yeah. So that part of it is pretty interesting. But this is a really neat game where you have some of that through the ages kind of feel to it where you're definitely building wonders and you're trying to build up your city and you can enhance your city to do different things. You can enhance your city to be able to roll more dice. So there's definitely a lot of divergent strategy, I would say, in the game. But yeah, you usually crush me at this game and that was not the case.
1: Well, it was actually on our maybe we think about purging this pile and you were like I mean I know I haven't enjoyed it in the past but let's try it one more time yeah and this time you won and you were like oh I get the strategy of this a lot better and I think maybe I like this game after all <laughs>
0: well, I look I
1: I'm saying defense not because you won
0: you were the one that put it on the pile not me
1: right well because <laughs> you know it was one of those every time I suggested playing it you were like uh oh uh, no, thank you you're gonna destroy
0: me again that right. sounds great yeah, so yeah. it's
1: not because you won but winning didn't hurt. (laughs) Well,
0: I mean, I think that I had in the back of my mind, like clearly the occasions on which we played this game were just not the best ones for me. And so I felt like I needed to give it a fair shake. Sure. Like that's kind of where my head was always at with this. So not because I won, but I feel like I had my head wrapped around it a little bit better when we played again, it's not a complicated game. The only thing that's kind of weird about it is how you assign your resources. But I actually think it's super clever. I just never would have thought of it myself and definitely needed someone to explain it to me.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it takes a little bit to be like, oh, okay, I roll resources and then depending on how many I have of these resource symbols on the dice determines which resources I get. But it
0: only kind of determines which resources you get. It determines them as a blend between the order in which they are printed on the board. Yeah. And, you know, the way that you assign them in a line. So it is it is a clever way to do it to make it harder to get the more valuable resources, considering how constrained you are with it being a roll and right. Yeah. So I actually, like, mad respect for Matt Leacock on that one. But, um, I mean, mad respect for Matt Leacock for a lot of reasons. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's just a it's a really kind of neat, interesting game. I mean, this is one of those, you know, smaller box games. It's a fleet dice size box, but mm-hmm. it weighs like ten pounds. Well, because those wooden boards of the wooden boards, right. But you could totally club someone with one of these. <laughs> anyway.
1: Nothing moves in that box. I don't either. know why it's this the is, wooden is where my idea.
0: But but no, it was uh it was fun. I liked it.
1: I've just got one more. The kids and I played a partial game, uh, just enough to learn it, of pollen. Mm-hmm. So this is a Reiner Kinesia game being published by All Allplay. I like it. Yeah. Speaking of weird scoring, this game definitely has weird scoring. Okay. Um, so pollen, the actual mechanics of it during the game, it works a lot like um, a gentle rain or something like that, where you've got these little bug pollinator tokens that come out and then everyone is placing cards on their turn around the pollinators. And when you make more spots, then you put more pollinators out. Sure. Once a pollinator is surrounded, you count on all the cards around it and see who has the most symbols that match that pollinator. So some of these tokens actually have multiple bugs on them, like a butterfly and a bumblebee. First, you would count all the symbols that count towards a butterfly and award the butterfly token to somebody. And then you would count how many would go towards a bee and award the bumblebee token to somebody. Okay. (laughs) So that's already weird. But then at the end of the game but wait there's more i know so there's three kinds of pollinators there's a beetle a bumblebee and a, and a butterfly at the end of the game each person kind of collects their little tokens that they've won throughout the game of the butterfly and the bumblebee and the beetle and then you start by seeing if anyone is eliminated because if you don't have the most of anything you lose straight up done
0: Okay, sure. No, no, I like that because it forces you to specialize
1: in some way. Right, right. So you have to specialize, but then once you've done that, everyone sets aside the group that they won majority in and counts the rest of their tokens. And that's where the scoring comes in. So you want to have majority so you don't get eliminated, but then you also want to have a large number of all of the other ones so you can win the game. Right.
0: I mean, I feel like... In scoring, there's always been things where like you can't completely ignore something, so you have to have something mm-hmm. in everything, but I don't know that I've seen it on the other side. So I actually kind of like that because it's a twist on something that we've seen before.
1: Yeah, it made sense to me, but it definitely did not feel like any scoring system that I've seen before, sure. even, even from Rainer Kinesia. Sure,
0: sure. And that's okay. I mean, I think that's yeah. a good thing. You know, I mean, you're, you're trying to find new and different things in each one of these games, so yep. whatever.
1: So I'm looking forward to playing a full version of this at some point. Um, this was mostly just, I pulled the kids over and I'm like, give me 10 minutes of your time so we can learn how to play this game. I know you guys want to go back outside. Fine. Unsurprisingly, our teenager did like this, probably in part because it's very pretty. It is very pretty. The pollinator like award tokens are screen printed with a metallic shiny paint. Oh, cool. They're gorgeous. The flower cards themselves are nice. Our 12-year-old was like, ugh, it's better than all the other flower games. <laughs> I don't really like it, though. Okay. I'm like, okay, fine. Yes, got it. But yeah, so that was Pollen, and I'm looking forward to playing that more in the future. Sweet.
0: All right, any trade it's time. It's time to do the thing.
1: The monthly
0: report. The monthly report. Do you want to go first and make everybody think that we actually play games, or should I go and make everybody laugh at me?
1: People are not going to laugh at you. I'm laughing at me. Well, you can laugh at you. I okay. will go first. Okay. In April, I had 47 plays. That is impressive. Of 21 unique games. My age index was surprisingly high this month at four. There are at least four games that I played four times or more. I played Roll to the Top, Numsters, Anomia on that work trip, and Home Sweet Home or Not. Roll to the Top and Numsters, I each played Eight times in April.
0: That is a lot of times.
1: (laughs) A lot of times. I put in, but decided not to count, a bunch of times I hosted Green Team Wins. So I would say that I played that more than four times, but it's fuzzy.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I hosted a lot of Green Team Wins as well, and I didn't even put it in my app. So (laughs) they didn't come up at all when I pulled up my insights. But if I'm going to talk about my insights for April, are you ready? I'm ready. I played 21 games. 13 unique games. Okay. It's pretty bad.
1: It's not that bad. You had a lot to do in April, (laughs) and you have even more to do in May.
0: My H index is 3, which is Uh, not awful. Anomia, Unmatched, rolled to the top.
1: I'm a little jealous that you played Unmatched more than me.
0: Yeah, I played Unmatched with probably a lot of Asher.
1: I mean, yeah, probably. I think you played it with me once. Yep. So,
0: yeah, unsurprisingly, the Anomia all came from... That work, work trip, trip. Yep. yeah. So that was pretty fun. I played the most games with you, unsurprisingly. I did play with 30 players. 21 games, 30 players. Yeah. Because we played a lot of larger games. Yeah, we did. So,
1: And that's not even counting all that Green Team Wins, which was almost I know. always with like 10 to 12 people.
0: Yes. If you're listening, Chad, I know a whole bunch of people who want to buy Green Team Wins now. You're welcome. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> it is not available right now. It's going to be at Target sometime soon, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's the monthly report.
1: I have one more thing to mention. When I was setting up my stuff for the monthly report, I was like, all right, I played 21 unique games in April. Can I do more than that in May? So I set myself up a custom challenge in the BG Stats app. I am going to try to play 31 unique games in the month of May. So basically, one for every day of the month. I don't know if I'm going to hit it, but it's going to make me try to play more unique games instead of just going back to my same favorites over and over again, especially when I want to sit down with a 10-minute solo game. Sure.
0: All right, Anitra, so why don't we do this? Why don't we welcome our new community members, and then we'll take a break and then come back and talk about a list. All
1: right, we should do that. Okay. So welcome to Katya. Although I could have sworn you were part of the community already. Katya. <laughs> welcome,
0: Katya. By the way, everybody, Katya's 2024 board game calendar is on Kickstarter right now. We have already Kickstarter for a copy. Yep. If you think those things are cool, it's definitely the right time to do that. So uh, go do that.
1: It's such a nice way to put some, you know, board gamey art in your house.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. She does a great job. All right, welcome to Gina.
1: Welcome to Morgan.
0: Welcome to Gordon. And welcome to Charlotte. We are so glad that you have joined the community. We have lots of really great chats in there, lots of conversations in the general chat or just in the community itself. We're right around 650 members, so you are sure to get your family gamer-related question answered. If you have one, you can throw it in there. If you're looking for a gift for a certain age or something like that, You can come to the Family Gamers community. It's a little bit easier to get good recommendations there than some of the other communities where it's like, what should I get for a seven-year-old? You should get them Zulkin or something. Like, you know what I mean? So uh, definitely folks with minds on playing games with kids and uh, head over to the post and say welcome to our new members.
1: And with that, I think we're going to take a quick break, talk about Roll to the Top. Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we're going to talk about games for five-year-olds. All right, we'll be right back.
0: we're on a roll.
1: We are. Wait, is this just a setup for another bad pun? Because I already know why we're here.
0: Well, it was. Wait, did you just roll your eyes at me?
1: (sighs) This is a Snap Review for Roll to the Top Journeys. Roll to the Top was designed by Peter Jestra and Corne van Moorsel. The first version was published in 2018, but this new version, published by Allplay, has better art, cleaner mechanics, and more interesting landmarks to explore.
0: The box says it's for up to six players, ages eight and up, and it plays in about 20 minutes. So, Anitra, let's talk about this art.
1: Horia Tundria did the new illustration for the backgrounds, and the graphic design has been updated, too. All of the boards are very clear, and as we expect from all play, the dry erase actually works well and erases cleanly.
0: We have to mention the dice. There are six of them, and they're all different and colorful and chunky. I love this because it actually makes them harder to mix them
1: up. So why all the different dice? Let's talk about the mechanics and how to play this game.
0: Roll right on the top is a race. Your goal is to be the first person to fill all of the spaces on your board. The active player rolls all of the dice in the dice pool, and then puts the action die in front of the next player.
1: Now all the players write numbers from the dice on their individual boards. You're generally building from the bottom up. Each space must receive a number that is equal or larger than the largest number in the spaces below it. And those spaces have to be filled already. You can use each of the rolled dice once, either on its own or adding it to other numbers but you can also choose not to use one or more of the rolled numbers. You also can't subtract dice from each other. (laughs) When everyone is done writing numbers, the next active player does the action specified
0: on the action die. This might be adding another die to the active pool, removing a die from the pool, or swapping an active die with one that's been set aside. Then, the new active player rolls all the dice in the pool, and it's time for another turn.
1: When someone fills the last box on their landmark... The game is over, and they win. There's
0: also a solo mode in which you are always the active player, but you put X's on a companion landmark sheet each turn, depending on how many dice you just rolled. Your goal is to fill your sheet with numbers before the companion sheet is filled with X's. So, Anitra, what did we expect from Roll to the Top Journeys?
1: I like roll and rights, and the simplicity of this one really appealed to me. I also loved the dice from the moment I opened the box.
0: For me, first off, I've said for a long time that I really wish companies would settle on box sizes. If you pick up some of these all-play games, I've got good news for you. It makes the organizer in me so happy that all of these are the same box size. First of all, it's a great size for a smaller box game, and also because it's consistent. Thank you.
1: Looking at the rules and the sheets, we expected this to feel a lot like On Tour or Welcome To, where you're pretty much focusing on your own puzzle, and you don't care much about what other players are doing.
0: World of the Top is also available on mobile devices, and Journeys is actually a remake of the original game, so I had a pretty good idea what I was getting into. I expected it to really shine as a solo game, but I didn't know how engaging it would be in a group, but that leads us to our surprises.
1: The adding and removing of dice actually encourages you to look around the table and change your strategy. If you can put in lower numbers than anyone else, maybe you want to get rid of those big dice. But maybe you've got some handy spots for big numbers that other players would have a harder time using. If that's the case, you could add large dice or remove small ones when it's your turn. Since Roll right the Top
0: is a straight race to fill your board, it encouraged us to take risks. In a five-player game, we thought one player had it locked up, but other players took risks to write bigger numbers or strange combinations, and we actually ended up with an incredibly close game. Only one box apart. Sometimes these are decisions that are made out of necessity, but it doesn't make the game any less exciting.
1: The solo mode actually led to a very different strategy. It's best to always stick with the lowest numbers possible, so that when the right roll comes up, you can fill the board really, really quickly. Each of the six boards has a very different feel. So there's no worry that repeated plays of Roll of to the Top Journeys are gonna feel stale. There are different strategies for each board that's available.
0: I will say, although I love the look of the dice, they're not quite as readable as we would like them to be. They use this kind of like handwritten font on them, which takes a little getting used to. The ones in the sevens, especially on the higher side of dice, can be tricky to read, for
1: example. So Andrew, would we recommend this game?
0: Well, roll-er-top Journeys is a great game for families. It's simple to play, although the strategy of which numbers to write and which to skip over can be a little bit challenging. Although younger players can play the boxes ages 8 and up, and that seems about right for kids to be able to actually enjoy the game. And, I mean, there's a little bit of arithmetic in it, too. That's so Good for us.
1: Much like on tour, you could use extra boards to accommodate more than six players, but I wouldn't recommend doing that. More players means less chances for each person to alter the dice pool. And being able to affect the dice is part of what keeps this game interesting.
0: So, Anitra, what are we going to rate Roll to the Top Journeys?
1: I think we're going to rate it four landmarks out of five.
0: And that's Roll to the Top Journeys in a snap. Snap! Right, so this week, I think, Anitra, I think we're going to be well-behaved. I think we are actually going to provide 10 things for our list.
1: There were a few things I was tempted to add, but yeah, I think we're actually going to stick with 10. Let's start with talking about what a 5-year-old can do. Sure. Like, what makes a (laughs) 5-year-old different than a kid that's younger?
0: Right. What happens on that magical day when they go to bed (laughs) a (laughs) 4-year-old and they wake up a 5-year-old, right? (laughs) I mean, you have to draw a line somewhere, right?
1: A really important one is that most five-year-olds understand and obey rules, which, you know, makes your life as a parent a little bit easier, <laughs> uh, but also is helpful for playing games. They understand that different games have different rules. They should also understand taking turns. That is no longer a skill that you need to keep drilling at five years old, mm-hmm. at least hopefully. Mm-hmm. And they can usually handle two-part or three-part commands, which is Also helpful for games with things like find a matching card, take it, and put it in your pile. That's a multi-part command.
0: Right. We don't really think about them that way because they seem so simple to us. But when you have a very small developing brain, those sequences are something that you have to learn to absorb and then execute.
1: And we didn't really talk about this with the younger kids, but a lot of those games for three or four-year-olds are going to require a parent to be like, okay, you did the thing. Now let's do the next thing. Right. Now let's do the next thing. And it's going to require a lot of repetition for them to get it. Five-year-olds are at the point where you can probably talk them through it, help them once or twice, and they're going to get it on their own. Yep, let's talk about some other
0: things. So by five, kids are getting better at playing with other kids, but they're also more competitive and liable to get very... Easily angered (laughs) when things don't go their way. (laughs) Right. Uh, Watch out for sore losers, you know, in this part of the equation. So, according to the doctor, that sore loser at your game table every week is a five year old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Five year olds still have a pretty short attention span. We're still looking at only about 15 minutes. However, kids who have been really active when they are younger may finally have a long enough attention span to sit down and play a game, even if it's only a five-minute game.
0: Five-year-olds can also usually count past 10, but may still only recognize a few numbers and letters in print. So one of the things that we did try to do is stick with games that generally avoid reading. There is a little bit of reading, but generally speaking, these games on our list do not require it.
1: Yeah, there's more presentation of kind of symbols and numbers and letters but still very, very little reading. And what there is can be done by a single adult at the table.
0: Yeah, or it's superfluous, like the name yeah. of something. on a Yeah, something exactly. Like All right. So let's get into it. And each, what is our number one recommended game? Now, I should say we don't officially rank these things, <laughs> but this one is a doozy.
1: Yeah. So our number one, much like last time, it's not ranked, but number one really is probably our top recommendation. Our number one game for five-year-old is Magic Mountain. From Amigo,
0: so Magic Mountain won Kinderspiel last year last year, year before. I think it was last year.
1: There's several Kinderspiel winners or Kinderspiel recommended games on this list. Mm.
0: So this is a really just wonderful game where you are taking turns rolling marbles down a hill. It's almost kind of like a Plinko board at, I don't know, 20 degrees or something like that. These marbles are rolling down this hill, and you want the marbles to hit the students before they hit the witches. Marbles are all colored, and so when students are hit, it moves them further down on this kind of track that's on the board. Very simple, very easy It's a game that five-year-olds can play independently over and over again.
1: Yeah. Uh, They will need mom or dad to set it up for them the first time because the way the board unfolds and the pieces clip on is just going to be a little tough for small hands. But once you've done that, they can probably handle resetting these students and the witches and Mm -hmm. doing the marbles again.
0: So that is Magic Mountain from Amigo. All right, Andrew, what's number two? Number two is Outfoxed. This is a game from Game Right Games. Put on your detective hat and figure out who stole the pie. In this game, players are racing to uncover clues to figure out which of
1: the foxes
0: stole the pie before the fox
1: escapes. We have loved this game for years. It's one of the very early reviews we did on the Family Gamers website. Mm. It's got these clue tokens that are really sturdy and a decoder plastic piece that's super clever. We love it. And it's just really well designed for kids. There is that almost roll and move style of thing where they move their little detective hats down the path, which is engaging for kids. And it's almost like, guess who mixed up with a roll and move, but also it's cooperative. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like soft cooperative. Yeah. Yeah, that is outfoxed. The game is less than $20 on Amazon. We have a link to this one in the show notes. Great game from game right Games. Or, I guess, Buffalo Games now. Yeah. What's next, Nitra?
1: Well, our next one is technically a repeat, but still great for kindergartners. This is Monza from Haba. I mean, kids this age love racing.
0: Mm. Race cars are fun. Colors are fun. Matching race cars and colors is fun. Small box games are fun. (laughs) Basically, it's a big old box of fun or a small box of fun.
1: A small box of fun. It's great. It's really sturdy. Again, it's got wooden dice and wooden cars and you move them around on the racetrack. Five-year-olds are really going to start wrapping their brains around the sequencing involved. You really want to be able to use as many of the colors that you rolled on the dice as possible so you can get further ahead. I also love that Monza is a game that is great for a slightly larger group of kids. You show them how to play once and you can throw six kids into this game and they will play it for 15 minutes or so until somebody wins.
0: Love it. That is Monza. All right. Our fourth game is... From yet another different publisher, this is our fourth game, our fourth different publisher, which goes to show you that Haba doesn't have a vice grip on kids' games. They do, they do not. This is a game from Foxmind Games. This is Maze Racers. So in Maze Racers, you have two players. They have a board that is magnetic, and they have a collection of foam pieces with magnets on the bottoms of them. And you basically are creating a freeform race on your board And when you're done, you say, okay, I'm done. And the other player has like one minute to finish their race. And then you swap the boards and then you race, moving, you know, labyrinth style, a marble from the beginning to the end of the maze that your opponent has created.
1: Yeah, I love the freeform nature of this game. It will make it hard for some kids. Very rule-bound kids will have a hard time with this game because it's so open. It's, okay, we're starting in square two and ending in square one, and go, build something. But some kids are going to love that really freeform nature of it. They can build whatever they want, In our family, when we played, this was a game where kids used wildly different strategies than adults tended to, which made the racing part really interesting. There was one kid who, for a long time, would just like stick the two, uh, (laughs) the start and the end on and be like, okay, I'm done. And then it was your job as the opponent to try to figure out how do I get this to the end goal with no walls to help you at all.
0: Yeah, this game does a really good job of balancing creativity and dexterity. Yeah. The creativity for the first part and the dexterity for the second part. And what you're kind of describing is creativity and thought, not necessarily an implementation, right, but exactly. a requirement for some extreme dexterity on the flip side. So mm-hmm. it's a really cool game with some really neat ideas. It's very easy and chunky and it's hard you know if you lose a piece of maze it's not the end of the world kind of thing yeah so Maze racers is a great game from fox Mind games really really good gift i like this one a lot all right number five anitra yet
1: another publisher although this one is another repeat i mean technically yes my first castle panic we did recommend this for four-year-olds already But I went back and checked through our archives. Our son was still happily playing my first Castle Panic at age five. And by five and a half, he was teaching his grandparents how to play it with him. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just I love the cooperation here and the pattern matching. And I cannot speak highly enough about the fact that this is one of those games that cleans itself up as you play because you throw the defeated monsters into the dungeon, which is the game box. I love it. Also, I mean,
0: it kind of goes without saying that my first Castle Panic leads into Castle Panic, which is a cooperative game. And we've talked about this a bajillion times on the show, but cooperative games are a really great way to teach your children how to play air quote adult board games. And so if your kids are comfortable with the general concept of the monsters trying to get to the castle and you're trying to keep them away from the castle and a lot of this stuff five, and then six, and then seven, you start to get to an age where, you know, maybe you can sit on mom and dad's lap while they play Castle Panic, and then you can become a full-fledged player after that. So it really helps with that on-ramp of getting your kids into a full-fledged cooperative game.
1: Cooperative games are also one strategy that we've recommended to lessen the pang of losing for kids who are really, really sore losers. Yep. If everybody wins together or everybody loses together... That makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Our next game,
0: number six, at last a repeat publisher, <laughs> and this is Color It from Haba. Anisha, you adore this game.
1: I mean, adore is a little strong, but I really, really appreciate this game. When we reviewed it, we called it my first roll and write because that's the goal of this game. It's roll color dice and number dice. Okay, now take that color and fill in a spot with the matching number. The numbers are just one, two, and three, and they're represented with dots on the dice, so this is still not even counting, really. It's just matching. It's a great introduction to this world of Roll and Write in a really, really simple way. I also love that the game has multiple rule sets in the box for how to play, so there's a much simpler variation, which is really the, hey, we're just working through... How do you, you know, color in things? And it's got a ton of luck to it. So kids are likely to be able to win. And then you can move into a slightly more strategic version as kids are ready to compete in a more meaningful way. It also says on the box that it's, you know, two to four players, but There's no reason you can't play it with more if you just go scrounge up some crayons or markers or more colored pencils. And honestly, what house with five-year-olds in it does not have an (laughs) abundance of crayons?
0: So many broken crayon tips (laughs) everywhere.
1: All right, Andrew, yet another publisher.
0: I know, it's incredible.
1: I know, right? And yet another game that requires absolutely zero reading or even numeracy. What's our number seven game?
0: Our number seven game is Concept Kids. So people might be familiar with the game Concept. This is a game where there's a ton of icons on a board and you are placing markers on various icons to try to get people to guess a key word or phrase or title or something like that. Concept Kids is a stripped down version of that. Kids give clues about an animal, where it lives, what colors it might be, whether it's fast or slow. And a single guesser is trying to figure out what it might be. There's two sets of animal cards. There's easy cards and hard cards or challenging cards and two sets of rules that can grow with your child, make the game a little bit more strategic as your family gets better at it. So this is a very stripped down version of a game that is already incredibly popular. I think even Concept Kids is a very popular game already. Mm -hmm. Super lots of fun. Very easy to understand. No reading required at all because you're looking at icons that clearly represent, you know, different parts of the animal or different attributes of the animal. Good stuff.
1: Yeah, I think this game is great. The rules also kind of phrase it to suggest that the kids are giving the clues to the parent. So I think that's an awesome way to start playing this game to make kids look at the picture of whatever animal it is and start thinking through like, okay, what colors do I see on this picture? What special features do I see on this picture? What else do I know about this animal? And limiting it to just animals and then having an easy set and a less easy set is a great way to kind of really keep the decision space something that a five-year-old can handle.
0: All right. Well, our next game is a game that we recommend all the time for adults and children alike. People might be surprised to see us recommend it for five-year-olds, though. Well, this game is heavily art-based. So this is a game that adults can probably play better, but it is a game, especially when you get into like the animals or some of the more simple themes, a child could totally play and that game is Similo.
1: So this is another clue-giving game Mm -hmm. like Concept Kids. It's a little bit more challenging than Concept Kids and you're going to spend time talking with your kids about, is this like a thing or is this not like a thing? And really starting to stretch that, you know, similar and different vibe.
0: Yeah, I think we're getting into with these last three games, games that are definitely going to stretch your children, stretch your five-year-olds, or maybe a bit. even better for the later end of five. Yeah. But I think that's okay. I think that's a helpful thing. We're probably going to do six-year-old in a couple of weeks or something like that. So... As we continue to move up and we see kids at these age ranges are really starting to diverge in their skill sets as well. Yes. So you're really going to see some of these differences. Similo is a game that's going to fall for those more cerebral kids. And I think that at this five to six year old range, you're really starting to see the kids that think a lot more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would also suggest that with Similo, you flip the concept kids model, have A parent being the one to give most of the clues early on and have kids do the guessing. Sure.
0: And a really, really important part here is that this is a cooperative game. And so if a decision is made, explaining the decisions and explaining, hey, I was thinking that this was an animal that had fur... So that's why I said that it was like the animal that you eliminated and and were not supposed to because they both have fur. You know, like really explaining the decision process really, really is going to help kids learn how this kind of thing works. All right. And our next one is in the complete other direction.
1: So... This would be my top recommendation if you have a kid who really wants to play games but cannot sit still. Mm -hmm. We have all known children like that. Yeah,
0: we have a child like
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) So how about a game that's all about making a dance party? This game is Happy Salmon.
0: When your kids will not stop wriggling like fish.
1: It is best to play this standing up Maybe with like a little coffee table or something to drop cards on. But this is not a sit down around the table no, and play it kind of game. Not,
0: definitely not. There's a video of us. Maybe it's Funky Chicken. It's it, Funky it, Chicken. It's funky but chicken, yeah. But they're almost the same, same idea. Yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we used a little end table just so we had somewhere to put our cards down. Mm-hmm. In Happy Salmon, you flip through your deck of cards. When you match cards with another player, you do the action that's shown on the cards. That might be... Fish bump, or switch it up, or high five, or happy salmon, which is the two hands together kind of uh, not really a high five. I don't know what you would call that. Yeah, I, I,
0: it, hand it's smack. a cross five
1: <laughs> yeah. thing. Those are the only four actions. They're all really clearly illustrated. So there is text on the cards, but you don't need it because you can recognize what the four different actions are. When you match with somebody, you both do that action together. And then you discard the card. The goal of the game is to get through your whole deck, but really the goal of the game is to have ridiculous fun matching up and doing these dance moves.
0: And it is, in fact, quite hilarious to do yes. this. Yeah, because you're willing to match with anyone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. So that is Happy Salmon, which is now, I guess, published by Exploding Kittens.
1: Yeah, the picture I included uh, on the website is of the new illustrations in the Exploding Kittens version. Huh. If you found the North Star Happy Planet version, that one's great too. It's a great fun game. The same game. I, yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. And in nature, what is our number 10?
1: Our number 10 is definitely the biggest stretch for okay. a five-year-old. Sure. But if your kid is maybe starting to read or keep saying they want to play something that's more grown up, this would be a great choice. The game is... Dragonwood.
0: This is another game right game. In Dragonwood, you are competing to defeat the most enemies and you do that through three different kinds of actions. There's stomping and there's screaming and I guess it's slashing or or striking or something like that. And these three actions are done with different combinations of cards.
1: Yeah, you can have all the same color of card or all the same number. Or you can have uh, sequences like a, like a 7, 8, 9 or something like that.
0: So there absolutely is a little bit of numeracy here. The numbers do not go higher than 9 or 10 or something uh, to that effect. I think effect.
1: 13 maybe. maybe. they yeah. go a
0: little bit higher than that. Yeah. But they're not super high. So it's not like you need to have a whole lot of math in your brain for this one. A five-year-old, a smart five-year-old can handle this. Yeah, there's definitely a strategy involved in this game. If you look at each of the monsters, the thresholds for the strike versus the stomp versus the scream are different. And so it's incumbent on the player to kind of pick the right one. And that's the strategy that comes up in this game. It's still largely luck-based. It's pretty much whatever you draw. But definitely, your kids are going to want to look at this and figure out which one is the smartest one to try to go after.
1: It's not just what you draw, either. Right. You Um, roll a
0: die, as well. Or roll multiple dice.
1: Right. You roll dice depending on how many cards you played. So Mm -hmm. if you played three cards, you roll three dice. If you played five cards, you roll five dice.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So... It's definitely the most adult-feeling game here. Even though we described Similo as a game that we pitched to kids and adults alike, Dragonwood, I think, is the game that feels the most adult-y. So it's definitely for your later five-year-olds.
1: For a kid who really wants more. Mm -hmm.
0: Definitely. And you're going to know your five-year-old, right? I mean, this is really true for all of these games. They're going to be highly dependent on the capacity of your child. It's as simple as that. And you know your child, and you know what they're going to be able to handle. And you know what? If you don't know your child, then think back to the games that we said were simpler. The Magic Mountain, the Maze Racers. These are games that are going to be easier. Color it, right? But if Mm -hmm. your child is definitely a more cerebral thinker, really into board games, isn't going to rip cards in half, so you don't have to buy them something that's made of wood, you know, then you can start to look at games like a Dragonwood or a Similo.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So that is our list this week. We are on our best behavior. I'm going to keep it short.
1: Yeah, I have a list here of runners up, but I think we're not even going to go there. I need to you, I'm going
0: to give you five seconds. List as many as you can.
1: All right. Spot it. Sequence Kids, Sleeping Queens, and a couple more ad- really adulty games that five-year-olds can play like Lanterns and I'm out. Zombie Dice
0: oh, you cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. All right. I actually think I gave you like 10 seconds, not five seconds. I'm Fine. very magnanimous in that way. I'm well, very, then. very loving and giving. So I gave a little bit of extra time, but that is it. No more. However, our listeners can share as many games as they would like to I with suppose us that they think are good for five-year-olds, but in age, how would they do that? How would they possibly reach out to us or share, I don't know, with the community?
1: Yeah, the best place is probably uh, the community. Search for us on Facebook, Family Gamers Community, or go to com slash community. You could also reach out to us slightly more directly on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, probably even YouTube. Maybe at some point I will try making little videos out of these top 10. Sure, plus, why not? Maybe. All of those are at Family Gamers AA.
0: All right. Of course, you can always email us, andrew at the family com. Anita
1: at the
0: Please check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merchandise. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs and more. You can show your love for the Family Gamers podcast by going to the FamilyGamers.com forward slash merch.
1: Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you liked it, and tell your friends about the Family Gamers Podcast. Even better, tell strangers about the Family Gamers Mm -hmm. podcast by leaving us a review at Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you subscribe. The Family Gamers is
0: sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points.
1: Well, I think that's going to be it for us this week. We hope that you enjoyed our top 10 list for Mm five-year-olds. And until next week, everybody. Play play games games with your
0: kids. kids.